Now look there in Romans in chapter 4 again. So when he makes the statement in verse 5 that he that works not but simply believes, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now notice what he says in verse 6. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God, get this, imputed righteousness without works. How many times can he say it? How many different ways can he say it and people not get it? To me, it's so clear, so simple. You will never and never have deserved to be saved. And that's why it's so hard for people to realize that once you're saved, why you can't lose it. Grace is really a marvelous thing. It is really a wonderful thing because without grace, there is no salvation. Now, look at another verse. I love this verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. You say, well, what happens when you sin after you're saved? He cannot put that to my account. He has to put it to Christ's account. Christ paid for that. You see, he has a big old escrow account. And it's good enough for all the sins of all the world. And whenever you sin, grace does much more abound. Now, you and I will never at this side of eternity totally understand it all. But isn't it something that God will impute his righteousness to me, but he can never impute my sins to me? And there's a reason why. Now, you get to chapter 5 and then chapter 6. And there is what we call the identification truths. It means where you identify in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Now, we know the Bible says in the book of Galatians somewhere, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But before we get into all of those identification truths, I want you to notice that from chapter 6, we have gone from the beginning. Now you have been declared righteous. In chapter 5 says, since you have now been justified by faith, wherein you stand in this grace. You stand in grace. That is your new position. You are a child of God, and there's nothing that can change that. Can't alter it. And you can never lose your standing in Christ. You are his child justified forever. And you can never in the future ever be condemned. And there's a reason why. But I want you to see it here in the book of Romans in chapter 6. I want you just to see this, um, just a couple of these words here. And you, you'll notice in chapter 6, he makes a statement up here in verse uh, 16. Uh, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself. See that word servant? His servants ye are. And look at verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. And now he's talking about in verse 18, you became the servants of righteousness. Verse 19, in the middle of the verse says, servants to uncleanness. Servants down in verse 20, for when you were servants. And down in verse 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants. Now see, this is not about how to be saved. This is because of your position in Christ, the reasons why you should live according to your standing in the Lord. And because you have a new position in Christ, now your service for the Lord should be because of your understanding 
of your position that you have in Christ. Do you know who you are? See, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you are now a saint of the Lord. And God has declared you righteous. So when he asked the question, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How can we continue in sin? And the reason is, is he wants you to understand you are a dead man. Well, you say, well, when did, when did I die? Oh, that's an interesting thing to think about. That's why we call it the identification truth. So whenever Christ died on that cross, who did he do that for? He did it for you. He took your place. In God's eyes, that was you on that cross because Christ took your place. But you should have died and paid for your sins. You're the one that was buried, and you're the one that came back from the dead. Well, when did you do that? Well, see, Christ did it for you, but whenever you believed it, his death was put to your account. So it was just like that old flesh nature that you have, that old sinful man, that old man we call it, and the Bible calls it that old man, he was crucified. Now, you and I really weren't crucified. We really didn't die, but we're supposed to live as though we did. You are to reckon it to be true because that's how God sees it. You see, that old man of yours, God says, how shall we that are dead live any longer there? You, you died. You say, well, I didn't feel anything. You're supposed to reckon it to be true because in God's eyes, it is you see, when he died on that cross, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. When he came back from the dead, you came back from the dead. When he ascended into heavens, you ascended into heavens. Now God sees you seated in the heavenlies in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. You know, that's enough to make your mind hoard a little bit. But that doesn't change the fact. It's still the truth. You see... God sees you in Christ. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit placed you into the body. And you were in the body on the cross. And so you did all of those things, but you didn't do anything. He did it for you. That's substitution. That's grace. And that's why, see, when Christ died and you accepted his death as your death, the law can't touch your dead man. You died. And that's why there's no more sins that can be imputed to your account. Why? You don't impute sins to a dead man. You died. But what do we do about all the stuff that's going on in our lives? The practicality of all of this. So now go back here to Romans in chapter 6. When he makes the statement in verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Because obviously, it's not going to be put to my account. I might as well have myself a blast. And there's people who think that, right? It's not going to matter. Well, it's not going to affect your eternal destination as far as going to heaven. But, buddy, you're not there yet. And you'd be surprised what it can cost you in eternity because of disobedience to the Lord. Now, get this. So, in verse 2, he answers the question, God forbid... I wonder what that means. No. It means no. How shall we that are what? 
See, I ain't making this up. This is, this is in the Bible. How shall we that are dead live any longer therein? If the old man was crucified, then how are you going to live in this old man? You're supposed to recognize, well, he died. So whenever Christ died on that cross and paid for our sins and came back from the dead, now to walk in newness of life. Christ will never make another payment for sin because he made one payment for sin forever. And now I sit down on the right hand of the Father. So that's a done deal. So if he did all of that for me and I just died and my old man's buried. And whenever I accepted that death as my death, I was buried and I was given a new birth. You see, the new birth, we talk about being born again. Your new birth cannot be until the old man is no longer. The old man has to die in order to get the new birth. It's that seed that has to go into the ground and die before it can come back from the dead. It's the new birth that comes from God. So this one dies, and now this one is alive. Now we know this one really didn't die. We know we still have this old sinful nature. True? But you and I are supposed to live as though he's dead. So God says, how can we that are dead live any longer in the old man? He doesn't exist anymore. Now, isn't this enough to melt your brain when you try to understand it? And you talk about trying to get deep into the word. Just go over the book of Romans chapter 6 about a thousand times and then see if you can figure it all out. There's a lot of deep truths in this book, I guarantee you that. But look what he says here. Now, notice what he says. In verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Now, understand this. I don't believe water baptizes or puts me into Christ. I believe the Holy Spirit baptism will put me into Christ. Water baptism is a picture of it, and you can use this as a, a great way to teach whenever you baptize somebody in water. Because when you stand in the water, it's a picture of Christ on the cross. You go under the water, that's a picture of your burial. When you come up out of the water, that's a picture of your resurrection. And we often say, when I baptize somebody, I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Planted in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in what? And newness of life. Because I just buried the old man. And you now, a new birth. Now as a child of God, it's the will of God that all of God's children walk in newness of life. As though you just buried that old man. And of course our problem is we keep resurrecting him and dragging him around everywhere we go. But now notice, in verse 4... Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should. See that word should, you ought to underline it. Not must, but we should. We should walk in newness of life. Why? Because the old man died. Christ's death on the cross was for me. I have accepted his death for my sins. And therefore, the wages of sin is death. I had to die. 
He did it for me. So that now I can live a Christian life, not in the power of the old man, but because the old man is dead. Now get this. If you think I'm making all this up, you just look at the book. In verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, get this, that our old man is crucified, where? With him. That the body of sin, where does the sinful nature dwell? It's in your body, it's in your physical body. Therefore, in my, in my body, I have the lust of the flesh, the lust of life, and so forth. It's in your physical body. So one of these days, you're going to leave that old body behind. And you're not going to have those sinful natures anymore because God's going to change this old physical body and make it like unto His glorious body. But until then, understand this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, get this, Henceforth, that means from now on, we should not serve sin. Sin is in our body. But therefore, we don't have to serve sin. So when you see the word serve and servants all the way through this chapter, we must be talking about how to serve the Lord, right? Then we're not talking about how to be saved. We're already saved. And based upon that position that we have in Christ, I was in Christ. When he was on the cross. I was in Christ when he was buried. I was in Christ when he came from the grave. I was in Christ when he rose from the dead. And now I'm supposed to live as though the old man is dead, buried, and gone. And that's why now, let's just pretend for a moment. Let's say that um, Bob Gilbert over here drops dead. Just an illustration. If Bob Gilbert over here, he drops dead. If you tell a joke... I bet you he won't laugh. Why? He's dead. You can walk over to him and pour water on his face, and he's not going to get mad. Why? He's dead. You can walk over there and kick him like you always wanted to do. <laughs> now you walk over there and kick him, and, and he's not going to get mad at you or do anything to you. Why? Because he's dead. Now, wouldn't it be neat if every Christian could live their Christian life as though the old man is dead. You know what we do? Somebody says something, you hurt my feelings. It's a cinch. You're not living in the spirit, you're in the flesh. Because you see, the flesh, you've made it very much alive. And that's why you get so easily offended. It's because you have resurrected the old man. And you're walking after the old man. But you see, the old man, if you realize he's dead, then very little of what people say and do would bother you. Do you ever see people, they're up here, and then down here, up there, and down here? And however the, you know, this is normal. However high they go above it, they go below it. And they can be so laughing, and then they go so low below it, in depression. And so... That's because you're supposed to be stabilized. Supposed to be. But we keep resurrecting this old man. Now, let me show you this. When he gets the statement here in verse 7, 
For he that is dead is freed from sin. Remember this uh, old body we have? Well, it has an old sinful nature. God has set you free from that old birth. We call it, he gave us a new birth. So now walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You just consider him dead and you don't have to fulfill his desires. You say, well, what about whenever I get hungry? Well, those aren't sinful desires. This old body has to be taken care of. It still has to have clothes on it. So yet, yeah, but you're to live as though you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but the desires of the spirit. Now look what he says. When he makes a statement here in verse 8, Now if we believe, or if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also, in those three little words, serving the Lord is living with Him. Serving the Lord is living with the Lord. Every day you're to be alive in Christ. Every day you're to walk in newness of life. Walk as though... You don't even have a sinful nature. Now, you know you do, and you know everybody else has got one, but God wants you to live according to your new position that you have. It's like somebody has just accepted me into their family, and they're millionaires, and me not appreciating my new position that I have. I am in a new family, and they're millionaires, and I've got a, okay, we'll just pretend for a moment it's Trump, and i got a plane, a helicopter. i got all these towers I can live in. And I'm over here living in a tent someplace. You realize that's not your new position. You can live like a dog if you want to, or you can live like a king. This is why some people are so easily disappointed, discouraged, because they don't realize, do you realize who you are? I'm a child of the king. Whenever I first started singing that song, Child of the King, and that was 55 years ago. I always thought, because I know what I've been through. I know my, my, my family life. And I had zero. But I became a child of God. I'm a child of the king. And it didn't matter what anybody said or did. I know what God thinks about me, and that's all that matters. And you'd be surprised how that gave me confidence. And at times, probably even made me a little on the cocky side. You know, don't you feel like that a little bit? I knew that everyone who trusts the Lord are God's children, but I was his pet child. I mean, you may be his child, but I was his pet child. Peter, you don't believe a word I'm saying. <laughs> but don't you just sense that something special between you and the Lord? And you'd be surprised how it can help you in your Christian life. The knowing that God loved me, never forsake me, never leave. And it can change your whole attitude about everything. But you don't, you don't realize that, that everything's changed. Everything's different. So notice what he said in verse 9. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. But I'm the one that came back from the dead and now I'm supposed to live in newness of life as a man who's come back from the dead. Now, see, I didn't make all this up. This is all in the book. Everybody, this is Bible. But now notice what he says. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be what? Dead indeed unto sin 
and alive unto God. You picture in your mind, Yankee Arnold, you died the day you trusted Christ as your Savior. I accepted that death payment Christ made for me. That was put to my account as though I paid for all of my sins. Christ did it for me in my place. He was my substitution. And I was buried and I came back from the dead. Now my only purpose in life is to live for the one who died for me. That's why you see the word henceforth, henceforth. See up here in verse 6 when he says that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. From now on, what is the will of God for you? To serve the Lord. Not because you have to, but because there's no alternative. This is who I am. This is what I do. And look what he says here in verse 11. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed in the sin, but alive unto God. You're supposed to live like you are alive, not dead. Dead as far as the old man, but don't walk around like you're dead and God's dead. You're a child of the king. Act like it. Live like it. Think like it. And then he says in verse 12, Let not sin, therefore, and here, here's that, see that word, reign in your mortal body. You and I still living in this old mortal body. But we don't have to let that sinful nature reign over us. That's why he says, walk in the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you fulfill the lust of the flesh, you're letting that old sinful nature dominate your life. And this is why he says in this verse, in verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are, get this, look what it says, as those that are what? Alive from where? From the dead. You say, I never knew I died. You did. His death was put to your account. You have been raised from the dead. Now live like it. And that's why he asked that question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It's impossible. Because, see, you've already died. The old man is dead. He's been crucified. Hold your place right here, but I'll, I'll, we'll quit in just a second. But look over there in the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, and look there in chapter 5. Look in chapter 5. In chapter 5, when he makes this statement in verse 16, walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then he names the works of the flesh in verse 19 and 20 and 21. In verse 22 and 23, he talks about the fruit of the spirit. Then in verse 24, and they that are Christ... Have done what? Crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. They've been crucified. In other words, they're dead. They don't exist anymore. You and I are not supposed to live with those desires burning in us that it controls us. They're not to reign over us anymore. He says, you used to be the servant of sin. Now you are the servant of righteousness. You do right because it makes sense to do right. You are now a child of God. It's only natural for a child of God to live like a child of God, act like a child of God, and talk like a child of God. Do you know who you are? Do you know your daddy? Do you know him? 
I know that a lot of people don't know who he is, but I'm talking about the, our spiritual daddy. But you have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, you are somebody, and you need to understand that and believe that. Let me give you these two verses before we close. In Romans in chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. In verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. See, that's your new position. That's your new standing. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? No. And so he then explains that in verse 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin and the death of obedience unto righteousness? You've got a choice. You were the servants of sin. Now you can be the servants of God. God has set you free. If you can always remember, every time we do the Lord's Supper, that's the death of Christ. Celebrating the death of Christ. That's when I died. When I believed that he did it for me 55 years ago. Anyway, we'll continue this maybe later. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wall represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God, he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin, we have to die. Wages, sin is death. Everybody in the whole world is guilty before God. And because of that, we all have a debt to pay. And we're all guilty. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And go to heaven, we have to be perfect. God would have to declare us righteous. And he said, by your works, you will never be righteous. There is none righteous, no, no, and none good. So that's why we needed a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ, the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Now he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And so his payment that he's made is unto all. His righteousness is unto all, but it's only upon them that will believe this. God will not make you believe it. But when you believe that he did this for you, he puts that payment he made to your account. And the law cannot condemn a dead man. That's why there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. When you trust Christ as Savior, he gives you eternal life as a free gift. You get to go to heaven. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. It is by grace and grace alone. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight or if you're watching by internet, would you right now, just the best you know how, just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe when Christ died, I believe he died for me. And I'm going to trust him tonight as the one who died and paid for all of my sins. And friend, God says that if you'll believe it, he would give you eternal life. You would get to go to heaven on what he did for you. He puts that payment he made to your account. And if you'll believe it, he says you have the free gift, everlasting life. You can know that you're going to heaven. I pray that you will. Our Father, we ask your blessings upon each one here and those that are watching by internet. And that by faith and faith alone in what Christ did for us, we can have his righteousness put to our account. We thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.